Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Broadway Podcast Network presents Giants in the Sky, How Sondheim and Lapine Went into the Woods, with me, Ben Rimmelauer. Today's guest, Jonathan Hadley, Rapunzel's prince on the national tour. Once upon a time. Jonathan Hadley played Rapunzel's prince in the national company of Into the Woods, directed by James Lapine, after having stood by for the role in the opening months of the tour. On Broadway and on tour, he also appeared in A Class Act, The Bodyguard, Jersey Boys, White Christmas, and Fiddler on the Roof. His many regional roles include co-starring with Leslie Uggams in Call Me Madam at the Paper Mill Playhouse, and his many television credits include co-starring with Sarah Jessica Parker on Sex and the City. Jonathan Hadley, it's such a pleasure to talk to you, my old friend. Oh, Ben, this is the craziest thing. I love it. I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> Well, I mean, it seems impossible to me to think that you're someone that I know in my life in New York, and yet this original production of Into the Woods, all these years ago, you were a part of that. You were Rapunzel's Prince on the national tour. Oh, yes. And even before that, I was understudying it, and, you know, we'll get into all of that. Okay, so I want to hear from the beginning. You bringing this up. I just want to say... yeah. best afternoon it's a rainy afternoon in new york today and i pulled out all my memorabilia you know i'm from an old southern family nobody throws anything away y'all from Thank north carolina God. <laughs> God so bless I, found, I found reviews from the road i found programs i have so much crap <laughs> oh i want to go through it all um, I'm glad you do. Good. We'll have to describe it for the uh, audio medium, um, but maybe we can uh, we can get photos of stuff and I can put it on social media when the episode comes out. Oh, cool. um, yeah. I, I don't know. I I don't know if everyone's like me, but I love to look at that stuff. I mean, I have here like I buy these like playbills on eBay, you know, just um, oh, random times during the run. This one is from let's see. I have so many of them now. This is January 89. And at that point, from the Martin Beck Theater, now the Hirschfeld. And at that point, the cast was, is this the, this is not the Fletcher. I think this is. I think we were on the road by that. Yeah. So this is, uh, this is the Broadway cast at this time was Chip Zion. Cynthia Sykes was the baker's wife. And um, Tom Aldridge and Bob Wessenberg were still there. And Nancy Dussault, my my favorite childhood television diva, who I didn't even know was a Broadway star. I didn't Uh, either. I didn't either. (laughs) Right? I mean, she was at Muriel Rush. Um, Barbara Brin. Pamela Winslow was um, Cinderella. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, and Maren Maisie was um rapunzel oh i remember absolutely uh, we kind of joined the, the into the woods family around the same time and i pulled one out here <gasps> we'll talk about from the parker playhouse fort lauderdale. Oh, fort lauderdale this is our first preview where we teched so oh we wow we get yeah yeah so <laughs> okay so let's start from the beginning before sure. into the woods even came into your life were you already like a sondheim nerd did you like know sweeney todd by heart what was your background with the with Absolutely. the master i was basically weaned on sondheim uh, i grew up listening to uh, all the albums i could of course we had albums i knew pacific overtures backwards and forwards as a little boy in north carolina as a little boy in north carolina who who introduced you to pacific overtures in north carolina as a little boy my, parent, my parents are both both educators they're oh. theater people t- uh, 
theater professors in college, colleges. So uh, they had this amazing musical theater uh, record collection and I would just sit, you know, hands under my chin and listen to uh, uh, Lynn Carew and Glenn uh -huh. Johns, you know, I don't know what my friends were listening to. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I that's Adley. awfully intellectual, like Pacific Overtures. I mean, that's hard for me now and I'm, you know, 47. I mean, yeah. that's quite a... Well, that's interesting you say that. That reminded me to tell you intellectual when we got to Charlotte Ray. That's something that came Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. So uh, so you already have this background. Yeah. And then um, what happened? Did you go to school and then move to New York? Or what was yes, that? Yes, I went to the North Carolina School of Arts to get rid of my accent. Well, they did was, a great job. As thank you. Would expect. I was in class with Mary Louise Parker and Joe Mantello Ooh. was two Ooh. classes ahead of me. So I was in that era. Do the math, y'all. And uh, then I moved right to New York, uh, got my equity card doing a, a theater work show, T a TYA show, you know, most of us do. Yeah. And then began this journey. So I was pretty much right out of school. I guess I was maybe 23, 24. Wow. And I went, you know, I hit all the open calls I could after I had my equity card. And I went to an open call for a little night music that was going to be the Kennedy Center starring Lee Rennick. Oh, wow. And it ultimately, it never happened because she got ill and passed away. Oh, God. But uh, Joanna Merlin was casting it. Mm. And I went in, of course, Henrik is my dream role. I, I played mm. the cello, kind of, so I, but I've never played the role. But anyway, <laughs> I went over that. Uh, but I didn't get that. And then she remembered me and called me in for Into the Woods. So I remember going to see it when it was originally on Broadway, when it first opened. And I thought, well, it's not really apart from me. I kind of fall between Rapunzel's Prince and Jack and the Beanstalk. Yeah. And that's exactly what she called me in for, was the cover for Rapunzel's Prince and Jack. So, that was the Jeff Blumenkrantz track, yeah? Oh, exactly, Jeff. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So, uh, I, you know, the show had been running, and I was, you know, you've, you've brought, helped me bring back all these memories of the last few days anticipating this podcast so much of this is coming back and one great memory was the audition which was like being in an old movie because it was on the stage of the martin beck oh my god you know i mean we don't do that nowadays right huh. yeah i feel like that was sort of the end of that era maybe in the late yeah. 80s. i don't know because now they they can't afford to rent the theater have the theater for auditions but then I guess they had the theater. So I remember walking to the theater, you know, with a big inflatable boot on it. Yeah. You know, that was so cool. And uh, terrified, but excited. And then waiting in the wings. And just like all about Eve, you know, they call you out on stage. <laughs> I'm on the stage of, the, of Into the Woods, you know. God, it's like you make your debut even if you don't get the part. Absolutely, you know. And I expect, you know, to see, you know... Betty Davis sitting out there, but no, it was, it was Mr. Sondheim and Mr. Lapine and Gemignani and I guess the producers, I don't remember. Yeah. And I remember singing, well, I don't remember what I sang, whether they gave me something to sing or yeah. and sang something, but I do remember Paul Gemignani stood up and came down to the front of the stage and said, could you sing the end of In Praise of Women, women from the line music? Yeah. And as we talked about, I was such a Sondheim alert. I'm like, sure. sure. <laughs> so I didn't, she wouldn't, therefore they didn't, the woman's mine. You know, I dumped yeah. it out. Uh -huh. They were like, great. And I was so proud of myself that I knew that, you know. <laughs> uh, and I don't remember if I read anything. I can't remember. But uh, shortly after, I mean, I heard pretty quick, I got the job. It was amazing. Uh -huh. Yeah. So, I mean. You must have just been, I mean, overjoyed because this is pretty green in your time in New York to get this new Sondheim musical. I mean, well, kind of, but you know, also, I think at that age, I was like, yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> yeah, I'm moving yeah. to New York and I'm yeah. getting a Sondheim show. It's this, this biz is easy, you know? <laughs> and so, did how, how much, um, you were cast as, as the cover for those, for those roles for Jack right. and, and Rapunzel's Prince? Right, the standby basically. Yeah. Stand and so um you uh 
how much rehearsal did you get before you were had to be ready to go on? Well, here's the thing. This is another thing I pulled off my wall. I have the first day of rehearsal photograph. Has anybody oh shown you this? No. Oh, we can put this on social media. It's the oh, whole wonderful. crowd. <gasps> it's dated October 31st, 1988. Amazing. And right down front is Martha Swope. And of course, growing up as a theater nerd, I always <laughs> wanted to be in a Martha Swope. Yeah. And then in her, she's in the lap of Mr. Sondheim, Mr. Lapine are there. There's Charlotte and Cleo, Mary God Murray, Ray Gill, and there I am in the back row next to Douglas Sills and uh, just brings back. So, oh, there's, oh, David Warren. Oh, he was our assistant director. Do you know David Warren? Not the actor, David Warren. No, he's a great director. He's doing a lot of TV now and he directed the first production of Harmony that I was in that was oh. supposed to go to Broadway. Oh, that was in San Diego, wasn't it? No, there was one we were going. That's a whole other podcast. Oh, <laughs> God, yeah, Broadway, right. It fell apart, and it was a disaster. Brian Darcy James and Kate Baldwin. Right. That was David Warren. He was James Lapine's assistant. Oh, okay. Um, so what, how um, were you part of that entire rehearsal process for the for the road company? Yes, they had us, which was great. They had us in at the Minskoff Studios. We rehearsed. I don't know if you were here then, but no, were the big studios. It was eight ninety downtown. Yeah, the Minskoff overlooked Broadway. It's kind of where the Marriott Marquis is now. Okay, uh, and those were so we were rehearsing there, which was such a cool thing. Yeah, I was there for the whole uh, experience, which was great. So we got to know all the cast, and uh, you know, I got to know. Oh, uh, Charlotte and Cleo. And uh, I mean, are you interested in these? Yes, I want to know everything about it. <laughs> You're a mess. And I love it. <laughs> well, did you uh, know, I mean, were you like, oh, Cleo Lane, the great Cleo Lane? Or did you have to like research her? I mean, I assume Charlotte you were more familiar with at least. Uh, no, Cleo had already been nominated for um, Edwin Drew. Oh, of course. She came to Broadway first with that. Yeah, so I knew her there, and she had just put out a CD of Cleo Sings Sondheim. Mm, mm -hmm. and it Great album. Glorious. So all yeah. of the theater nerds, mm. just the Sondheim ones, were listening to that. We had that CD. I remember all my friends would listen yeah. to it. Just, she, just a glory. She's still around, you know. She's a yeah. voice. I don't think people so, appreciate nowadays how in that time when someone put out a CD of Sondheim music, everyone in the world that cared about Sondheim got the CD. It wasn't yeah. like now where there's, you know, I think it's cheaper to produce recordings now, especially because you can be all digital. So there's no, none of, no one can possibly keep track of all the albums that are coming out all the time. But in those days, we knew we got it right away. We oh, memorized yeah. the album, you know, every yeah, yeah, track, yeah. every arrangement. And she did these interesting jazz interpretations, mm. interpretations of the song. So it was a new take on all of those. Yeah. So it was a, it was a really uh, exciting, intense rehearsal period. I remember Mary Gordon Murray was doing the Broadway show at night and rehearsing our show during mm. the day. And there were quite a bit of differences. So she was, it was a little like freaky. Bonkers. And, you know, yeah. Uh, and then I got to be good pals with Charlotte Ray for several reasons. Again, <laughs> I think this all was coming back. Uh she and I happen to have a friend in common. Her, I think it's her nephew was married to a friend of mine from North Carolina, just randomly. But then she, uh, as, as since I was Jack's understudy, she uh, and I would go off and work lines together. Mm. Got to be good buddies like that. We both needed as much practice in that as possible. And then I had forgotten this. This came back to me today. Sort of in the way you are with, with Into the Woods, at that time, I was very much into the original cast of Three Penny Opera. Oh, sure. And I had just discovered that album and CD. That's and B. Charlotte, Arthur and Lada Lenya and Jerry Charlotte Orbach. Ray, Jerry yeah. Orbach. And Charlotte Ray. And B. Arthur. Did you say B. Arthur? Yeah. I Joe said, yeah. Sullivan, yeah. Joe Sullivan, right. Joe Sullivan Lesser. Yeah. Yes. So I got, as I got to know Charlotte, you know, Charlotte, she just, she talks like Mrs. Jarrett, you know, that's, that's my bad Charlotte, right? But she's just, you know, and I would say, Charlotte, you know, I finally I was like, can I ask you about Three Penny Opera? And she was like, oh, you know that. And oh, I got all kinds of stories about Bertolt Brecht and a lot of, I just, 
ate it up. Hmm. So we got to be buddies during rehearsals. And oh, what made me think of it, what you said earlier, one time she said to me, you know, you're an intellectual. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I think, you know. <laughs> anyway, but she was great. And her portrayal of Jack's mother, has anybody talked about that yet? No, uh-uh. I saw like a tiny clip uh, on YouTube, but that's all that I know of what she was like. Oh my Lord. She, in a good way, just chewed the scenery. Mm. Oh, you know that scene where she comes in in the second act into the giant scene. Yeah. Where she ultimately gets killed. It's yeah. She started at the back of the theater, <laughs> like in the parking lot, basically. <laughs> and you heard this, you know, that one got louder and louder. I remember Lapine would say it's the longest entrance in history. <laughs> and she would run down in the middle of the and it was really funny but it went on forever and it got longer and longer as the wow. <laughs> Now, how, how present was Lapine, you know, or how uh, uh, strong was stage management or was David Warren on the road with you? I mean, was there anyone keeping you crazy actors in line to not like run away well, with he, the show? Of course, was, well, of course, very much in the rehearsal process. Yeah, sure. Uh, and he would come back uh, on the road every so often, and so would David. David would put in new people. Mm. Uh, I remember son, uh, Lapine would come out and say, I'm coming out to take out the improvements. <laughs> and he also said, and I've always remembered this, even as I'm directing a lot now, it's very hard for to have talented people in the ensemble because they're very creative. Mm. And they keep adding, quote, improvements. So at the same time, he was complimenting us. He would say, stop doing that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Basically. When you talk about differences, like, you know, that poor Mary Gordon Murray was juggling simultaneously doing the Broadway and the tour. I mean, people have talked a little bit about how the concept for the baker and the baker's wife on the road was a little bit more uh, middle American with Ray, uh, Ray Gill and Mary Gordon Murray, as opposed to the kind of like Upper West Side Jews that they saw, like Chip and Joanna, as were, were there other kind of um, stylistic or like tone things that were sort of pronounced differences like that? I think though I did hear what, what you talked about with Betsy uh, Jocelyn about that. I think you hit it absolutely on the head. The difference in those that relationship of those characters, the rest except for. Well, Charlotte, I mean, sorry, Cleo's portrayal was so different than anybody else. Yeah. Uh, that's which I can tell you. I have a great, great story I want to tell you about that. Mm. To answer that question, um, physically, the production was so different. Yeah. Broadway. And in fact, you know, I said I found these reviews. Yeah. I found one from the Philadelphia Gay News. I can't <laughs> believe that even existed then. And I was like, why did I save this? It's dated February <laughs> 16th, 1990. Mm. And I, but I wanted to share this because I thought it was interesting. He says, the author says, the production currently on stage at the Forest Theater is a somewhat scaled down version, necessarily so, to meet the rigors of a traveling company. The sets are nowhere near as elaborate to be as was found in the Broadway original. In fact, they were pretty much standard road company issues. So I remember we did get uh, crit critiques on the road for the set. It it wasn't nearly as interesting as Broadway. Um, but I did find out why I saved this, because then he went on to talk about the actors. And he said, oh, you know, uh, Adam Grouper was the baker. Yeah. Judy McLean is the baker's wife. Patty Ben Peterson was Cinderella. Yeah. Tracy Katz as Little Red Riding Hood. Feistier, funnier, bitchier red could not be imagined. And then he says, and my favorite, Jonathan Hadley as Rapunzel's Prince, perfectly adorable. <laughs> uh, there you go. The beginning so, of the matinee Adonis. <laughs> so I was adorable in Philadelphia in 1990. I don't doubt it. I was just physically, yeah. Yes, yes. No, and your adorableness, which has not changed. But um, <laughs> I was just thinking about Judy McLean having done this because... Um, she's going out on tour as, as Joanne and company. It's like, yes, a I'm thrilled song for time. yeah. Great. It's great. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Judy, wonderful Judy McLean, of course, who was, um, in Mamma Mia for years on Broadway and, and, uh, great paper mill playhouse diva and Vita and many great shows. 
Um, we began as understudies. She was understood. She was a, a stepsister and understudied the baker's wife. Oh, she started. Well, I didn't know yeah. that. And then we both moved into the roles. I was understudying Douglas Sills. Yeah. Rapunzel's Prince. And then um, when they left, the, they were kind enough to move us into the roles, which I thought, hey, that's just how it works in the, the biz. And I got out of Into the Woods and I realized, no, it doesn't always happen that way. Well, and it didn't <laughs> happen lucky. to your whole cast either, right? Because uh, Cleo left and her understudy didn't take over, but Betsy came in. That's true, right? That's true, yeah. yeah. And um, and same with, uh, what what did, was Adam Gruper, was, had he been there as a, as a standby before? He had not. I think he came in and just yeah. Yeah, that's a good, um, good point. Yeah, but it was kind of a long tour. I mean, it's it's not. It was must have been quite successful that that it was that you know you stayed on the road past people's original contracts and all that. It definitely was, and back then, like a two week run was a long run. Yeah, like I went on to do the Jersey Boys tour, which I did for seven years. You know, and we uh, sat, I know, and we sat down for months at a time. Yeah. But back in the 80s, that just was not the case. So we yeah. were maybe maybe three weeks in L.A., I think, something like that. But, you know, mostly they were one-weekers. For the last time, I am not on Ozempic. I made one little joke on this podcast, and everybody started calling me out, texting me, calling me cringe, whatever. I really was asked by people if I was on Ozempic, and as I told them... I am not. I am just eating factors, no prep, no mess meals, okay? Warmer, sunnier days are coming. Fire Island season is here. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian-approved meals and ingredients you can trust. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. And kitchen time is kept to a minimum. They are ready in two minutes. No shopping, no prepping, no cooking, no cleanup. Enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or just simply to eat well-balanced. Head to factormeals.com slash giantsinthesky50 and use code giantsinthesky50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code giantsinthesky50 at factormeals.com slash giantsinthesky50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I mean, it's amazing, especially thinking about the show that, that Into the Woods is. Because you think of something like Jersey Boys or Phantom of the Opera, you know, be kind of being this institution that can just park in a, a city and, you know, just be there for a while. But for something that's more um, esoteric, intellectual, less kind of like um, populist, at least in its appeal, if not in its actual experience, um, it, it's impressive that Into the Woods, uh, you know, was able to to do that. Well, um, oh, I remember in Florida, which we, we opened at the Parker Playhouse in Fort Lauderdale and then went to uh, Palm Beach, People would leave it in a mission. The second act would start once upon a time, and they'd be like, I already saw this. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's go. And they would leave. Wow. <laughs> they came back and then left. Yes. That's really something. <laughs> Yeah. I know they talked about they people leaving not realizing it and you know that they added the beanstalk and all to be continued, but that actually did come back, which decided yeah. not. You know, the old folks in Florida, ah, we've seen it. Let's go. Ah, amazing. It was fun. Um, 
one thing, if you don't mind, I wanted to jump in about the back at the rehearsal process. Yeah. Before we even got on the road. Yeah. Uh, again, getting to know Cleo, who is an extraordinary person. She's yeah. so much fun. Uh, that's a, another part of the conversation, but her her performance was just transformative. And, mm. you know, there are these things as you go through life, seeing art and creating art, there are things that really stick with you. Mm -hmm. like Audra McDonald, mm -hmm. seeing live or a piece of art, a physical art or something. The, I will never forget the one day when we put the first act together. And as a cast, we were all sitting, you know, to do the whole first act. I remember I was sitting on the floor, like in the corner somewhere. And we heard Cleo Lane sing Stay With Me mm. for the first time. And I can even get chills right now thinking about wow. it. It was unbelievable. That voice that comes from her toes. Yeah. Her eshes of sort of eshes, stay with me. You know, she had this. Yeah. And this wonderful actress, Marguerite Lowell, was uh, Rapunzel, and they had this great connection. It, it was just moving. I've never, ever seen anything like it. It wow. was fantastic. And apparently, there's a video of that somewhere on YouTube. Mm. Uh, somebody bootlegged it all on the tour somewhere. If you can find it, I, I searched, found oh. it once, and I couldn't find it again. I will. I shall definitely find that. What, um, did did you guys have a um like invited dress in New York before uh you left town that where every, people locals came and saw you? Well, I don't remember. I don't know. I don't remember if that was a thing then. I don't. I yeah. Don't I do remember going to uh, Fort Lauderdale and starting tech. Yeah. And we did a sits probe in the lobby of the Parker Playhouse. Mm. And I ran into recently, I was on tour with another show and I ran into an actress, Ann Rickenbacker, who was also one of the standbys. Mm. And I was playing, I happened to be playing the Parker Playhouse. And she said, you remember that sits probe? And over in the corner was this disheveled, almost homeless looking guy. And it was Stephen Sondheim <laughs> sitting with like piles of paper and scribbling yeah. and listening and intense. We were like, that's Mr. Sondheim, he's here, he's over there. You know, it was so crazy. <laughs> Did yeah. But was there like a sort of local cult of Sondheim that greeted you when you'd go to these different cities? Did, did you did you sense that you were, you know, they anticipated in that way? No, there was not at all. Uh, there became, oh, and I know you talked to Tracy Katz. I didn't get to hear that. Did it you? hasn't come out yet. Yeah, okay. I've, I've got her in the can. Yes, uh, I remember it's, there were people sometimes who would come dressed up as Little Red Riding Hood. <laughs> I know she mentioned that. You know, <laughs> there was that thing. But no, there was a lot of skepticism. In fact, you know, going through my little archives. Oh, yes. A, a, a review from the Grand Rapids Press that says songs are good, but Into the Woods not, not so charming. Hmm. So people didn't completely love it. You know, they no. would say, oh, the singers are good, but it's overly cute in the first act and pretentiously moralistic in the second. That was Grand Rapids in Lights. Yeah. So uh, I don't think we were ever kind of greeted like a Lin-Manuel would be or something like that. Yeah, that's so uh, funny. Yeah, it's interesting. It it seems to have grown in appreciation over the years. For sure. Did, did you feel, though, like um, playing that second act uh, not necessarily that it's pretentious or moralistic, but did did you feel in some of those big roadhouses that like that you would lose them with the the sort of all the kind of ballads and the sort of you know last part of the last twenty five minutes of the show was that an issue? Wow, that is an interesting question. Again, this is coming back. How many years ago was that? It was down the thirty something. Five, yeah, thirty five. Oh, I was five years old then. But anyway, <laughs> it, all that coming back. Uh, I do remember because it's so ballad heavy. Yeah. In the, in the second act, we'd be like, oh, 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 they're gone. They're gone. I do remember that now. Uh, it, people weren't as initiated into that kind of show, I think, at that time. Um, I do remember the tempos were a little slower on the road. That was always a bit of a fight. Uh, Randy Booth was our conductor, and he just felt um, it, with the lyrics, Sondheim was very difficult to follow if it flew by. And the theaters on the road, you know, are huge. Yeah. Relatively small. Yeah. 
So you're looking at these giant, the foxes we're having in Atlanta and St. Louis, you know, St. Louis and, and Detroit, giant. Yeah. So it, our show was longer and they were always fighting that a little bit. Did what it, does, it, does the size of the theater have to do with that, with the lyrics and their tempo? It seemed to be with the sound, the way the sound would reach the back. Mm. You know, the sound is different now. But that yeah. was kind of his feeling. It kind of rolled through the theater. Yeah. And uh, when you're that you have to get to visit the, 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 the festival, you know that just is going too fast. For yeah. Me. Seemed that's interesting. Um, but but did you have body mics in that tour? Yes, they were enormous. Yeah. <laughs> the back in the day, they were the size of those cell phones back in the day. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <They were huge. laughs> uh, and what is it like to be a standby on the road? I mean, I imagine people having that. It's kind of a sweet job in the city where you know, what is it you have to, I know it changes or it's show to show, but whether it's a two block radius or you just have to call, but you know, I could, you could sort of imagine having a full life where you just sometimes go on stage and sometimes don't, but being on the road with all that entails. And then is it, are you, do you spend a lot of time like alone in a hotel room or how did that work out? Yeah, absolutely. That's a, it's a whole, whole different ball game. I stood by in the city and on the road. Uh, we, I remember we, did a lot of baking in hotel rooms. Me and the other, the other standby. How do you bake in a hotel room? We would that we would get little apartments, you know. And oh, I remember, but I remember baking cakes. That was something. There was nothing much else to do. You know, you had to stay at the theater until your last character makes their last entrance. Oh wow! That's usually the general rule. Yeah. And into the woods, it was when they all come out again right before the end. So we yeah. Were, they leave 10 minutes before the show was over. Yeah. Uh, you know, for a long time, it, there was so much excitement that wasn't yeah. a problem. But as it got on and on, it it, it, it did wear on a little bit. Uh, and I remember my first time going on, though. Yeah. Was in Palm Beach. And Douglas got sick, I guess, and called out. I don't remember. And I had had no rehearsal. We'd been a little bit of understudies rehearsing in the lobby, like you do. Yeah, they me. They threw me on. I didn't have my own cost costume. Douglas is probably a good two or three inches taller than I am. He's like six three. So I was literally swimming in his costume. I looked like Chuck Wagner's little baby brother. <laughs> so it kind of worked out. But but I jumped in, you know. And it's also this thing when you're standby in that situation, nobody in the rest of the company has ever seen you or heard you. Yeah, watching. So I remember they'd never heard a note come out of my body and as i was singing agony already terrified in this giant costume i look over in the wings and there's the entire company cleo charlotte ev rachel everybody watching to see if i was any good you know and it's like thanks guys no pressure really (laughs) (laughs) i'll never forget that that was terrifying i mean what what, i guess you said palm beach was only the second stop on the tour Seems like because I know they talk about understudy rehearsals being a regular part of a weekly Broadway schedule, you know, regardless of whether anyone's out that week or not, just that it keeps happening so that the people stay, you know, fresh on the different roles they're covering. Um, but is if you're doing uh short runs at these theaters, it it seems like between teching and like it do you, I would imagine understudy rehearsals are less regular on the road. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that, especially at the beginning, because yeah. we started in October, as that picture said, we opened before, way before Thanksgiving. So it must've been a short process. Then tech was really short and intense. No understudy rehearsals. Then I know they were going to start them soon, but I think every one of us got thrown on before rehearsal started. Wow. Poor girl understudying Cinderella had huge bruises on her thigh. I remember Marguerite because we never she never practiced falling down the stairs. Now it's funny, but at the time it was intense. Yeah. So, but then as you go on, you do get understudy rehearsal on Thursday afternoons usually uh, because there's no weekday matinees on the road usually. Okay. You'll do a five show weekend. Yeah. So, yeah. And um, did you? 
did you come to enjoy playing one of those parts more than the other? What were you, did you get your wish when you were, um, to borrow the phrase, um, yeah. when you, when you were cast as Rapunzel's prince or? You no, know, for me, it, they were equal. I could have played either. I mean, I'm, I'm much taller than the Jacks than they, they so I knew they probably yeah. would catch me in that. Right. But you cannot go wrong singing Agony. I mean, it's just glorious. And that, oh, that's a memory that came back today as I was out for coffee. Um, I remember I did get a chance to work with Miss, Mr. Sondheim, mm. coached us on Agony. Mm. And I remember him saying, as we started to sing it, he stopped and said, remember this song is a baca roll. And I'm like, a jelly roll? What, a baca roll? <laughs> no, a baca roll. And I, again, I like the audition story. I was like, oh, I know what that is. You know, in Carmen, Da 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 that famous mm. song. That's a baca roll. So I knew what it was, and he said, "Remember that with the rhythm, agony too. It's not just one, two, three, one, two, three. It has this baca roll feel to it." So I said, "Oh, of course, yes, Mr. Sondheim. I don't, I don't know if I ever actually did it or not, but you know, he's <laughs> like, oh, I gotcha. Yes, sir. So I've always remembered no that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Whatever> you say, <laughs> you want a tacha? I'll give it to you." <laughs> Um, and I, well, I guess that show probably would be even with the toughest crowd, kind of like, uh, you know, a, a showstopper, uh, that song. Yeah. 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 Um, and how long were you, uh, standing by before you took over? I think Doug, let's see, people started leaving six months. I think Cleo left, Cleo and Charlotte left about six months in Douglas was maybe eight or nine. So I, I took over then and I think did it for about a year. Yeah. After that. And then, you know, Betsy came in and she was just, she, she's a mess. No, she is just fantastic. I know everybody. <laughs> said, I adore her. You know, I was going to try to say something, but no, <laughs> so fun. I was so thankful. She and she and Judy and I palled around a lot on the mm. Great, great time. And uh, did Chuck stay the whole time or did you have a different Cinderella's Prince? He did not. He's left about the same time. And the other understudy, James Weatherstone, took over. So he and I were able to be the princes, become them at the same time. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And we both lasted uh, the rest of the tour. In fact, he met his current wife. She was the understudy for Little Red and Cinderella. And they're still married. Amazing. <laughs> they're at the tour, yes. Amazing. Um, and uh, and okay, tell me your other uh, Cleo Lane story. Well, again, the stay with me was just extraordinary. Uh, she she was great fun. Her real name, you know, is Clementine. Oh no. Yeah, and she's quite cockney, really. When you get her away from everybody, <laughs> yeah, you know, she gets this sort of thing going, you know. And we went on a bus, you know, it's, she stayed long enough. So there were some bus trips, which are always rough. Wow. And, you know, can I say this? Tell me if I can't say this. She loved penis jokes. No, please and, don't. Yeah. And she, but she would always get on the bus, you know, sometimes she'd sit by me and she goes, yeah, Jonathan, you know, any dick jokes? And I'd be like, Cleo, come on. No. And she'd go, all right, guy with a big dick walks in a bar. And I'm like, no, Cleo, no. You know what I mean? <laughs> so we, and her real nickname was Clemmy. That's what <laughs> family calls her. Yeah, Clementine, she's Cleo, but um, she had, and I remember you talking with Betsy some about the last midnight. Yeah, about there are different versions of that, and and on the road it was very different, I think, and difficult because there wasn't the elevator at the end. Mm. You know, she disappears into the ground, Broadway, the video. Well, you can't do that on the road. So it would go, and the boom, crunch, exploded. And then she would just sort of stomp off stage in the smoke. And so one time, and Cleo had a hard time with that. One time I remember I ran into her in the hallway of some giant theater. And you know, they're very cavernous. Yeah. And I ran into her, she was in her big witch wig and her the beautiful costume. She was stomping down and I said, what's wrong? And she goes, Oh, that song, Last Midnight. She said, it's like long, great sex with no orgasm. <laughs> but I could see, I've thought about that over the years. Well, not in the orgasm sense, but in the sense of, you know, it, it does, it is hard to find that giant ending to that. You know? Yeah. And they, um, they futzed with it too, because there's that sort of alternate ending that Donna Murphy had in the version in Central Park. And sorry, it started with Vanessa Williams 
Uh, And then Donna Murphy also had that. And it's hard for me to judge if it's an improvement because when you know the first one so well, it just sounds wrong and it throws you, you know, but but clearly they were trying to solve that problem, you know. Um, Yeah, and Cleo started it down. She'd go with that boom crunch and she had like a 15 octave range. Oh, yeah. And she'd start the bottom crunch and with this high little scream, it just still wasn't quite enough for her, you know. Yeah. Button that song. Well, she she understands, uh, you know, delivering uh, an audience uh, the satisfaction. So <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. cheat that. Um, yeah. Well, what about Charlotte? Was there was there any kind of like um, you know backstage hijinks, or dirty jokes? What was her deal? She was lovely and funny. I remember she took when we played L.A. She took us all to her home in Brentwood. And she was a big TV star. At yeah, the time. Huge. a big deal. She was very sweet, had a lovely spread for all of us at her house. And we walked in. I remember all her furniture was covered in plastic. <laughs> I'm like, Charlotte, you're a big TV. This is like an old Jewish grandma at house. And she's like, I don't really want it to get messed up, you know. And her Tony nominations were in the bathroom, which I thought was hysterical, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> And uh, she was, we, uh, Christmas, we all chartered a little boat in Fort Lauderdale to go ride mm. around some Christmas carols. And she kept saying, let's sing Jewish carols. And we're like, sure, there aren't any, you know. <laughs> so, That's funny. Really was um, funny. And her TV friends would come to see her at the show. And mm. that was really cool backstage with the cast of Facts of Life, you know, and all that. Yeah. Yeah, because that, that wait that must have that run of facts of life must have just ended when this yeah. was blowing up. Yeah. He was still at that peak of of TV stardom, so this was a great thing to get her back on stage. And then after the tour closed, you know how everybody stays close for a little while. Yeah, lights kind of dissipate. Uh, all of us went to see her. A bunch of us did to see her at the classic stage company in Happy Days, the Beckett play. Oh, right. And that's where she's buried in the mound of garbage. Or yeah. Whatever. And she was really terrific. She's mm. just a great actress. Yeah. She's very funny and can do all the sitcom stuff, but she's very, very good. Yeah. So we stayed in touch for a while. I saw her just before she passed away. I was doing the Rothschilds at the York mm. and she had to see it. And we had a nice little reunion. So that was lovely. Lovely. Yeah. Now you guys were in LA for quite a while with this tour, weren't you? Um, Over the holidays, I remember. Uh, yeah, I found that program too at the Music Center of LA. I guess it was the Amundsen. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. And uh, you know, we thought we'd all be TV stars because we were in LA, and of course that didn't happen. But it was still great fun. <laughs> I remember they had the poster up in my uh, middle school um, music room. That was the first knew what Into the Woods was because it said someone's been messing with your fairy tales and and uh, you know and uh, and it was gr- that oh, I, great I artwork. Are you from LA? I didn't yeah. Know that. Oh, I forgot that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah from the Valley. Um, that was fun. It was a big hit there. They, they yeah. Were- yeah, I remember being really sad. I sort of only kind of took notice of it after it was over, and then you know I was in middle school, so I hadn't really started like mobilizing to like see shows that my parents didn't take me to yet but yeah. then i managed to steal the um vhs tape that had uh the pbs broadcast on it and was like and eagerly watched that and was you know totally uh obsessed um yeah. and i think that i mean i think that's key to why the show wound up you know kind of having this exponential uh impact because so many people got to experience it that way that was actually fun for us because some of the cast members like Chuck Wagner went back to tape it. So the understudies got to go on. So, <laughs> oh. so did, did, Oh, you said his understudy was James Weatherstone. At that time, I think actually was Douglas. Douglas Sills went on. Oh, for, so then you know, got to go on. For, on for oh, how cool. Yeah. And you know, Douglas, uh, by the way, is he's such a terrific actor and yeah. so funny. And I did, you know, as I found my own, reviews i was looking at them and they were but really everything i did i stole from douglas because he's just terrific so mm-hmm. I mean, he's great he was fun to that was kind of his first gig too wasn't it yeah 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 i don't remember what was right maybe secret garden he went into that after that maybe yeah 
And then, I mean, I don't, I know it was Scarlet Pimpernel when, you know, everybody really kind of was like obsessed with him. Yeah, uh, he was wonderful. And, so and good. of course, that original cast, yeah, you talked about Ray Gill some, and he was quite wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me your feelings about Ray Gill, because he's another one that, I mean, I, I think I said this to, to Betsy that like Lapine, Chip Zion, and everyone spoke of him so, Mary Gordon Murray, so uh, reverentially and with such affection and, and and apparently, um, I think it was uh, Ira Weitzman had told me that that James had really wanted Ray as the Baker originally, and I'm not. I still don't really understand why he didn't do the role. He must have been doing something else because he well, had to be sold on ship. Yes, and that's actually how I knew him before. He was doing Driving Miss Daisy. Oh uh, yeah, he originated the role of the son of Bully. Oh, Bully, yeah. And a friend of mine was actually the props mistress. We were roommates. And our, you know, at the end, they feed Miss Daisy a pumpkin pie. Our refrigerator uh, was full of pumpkin pie for a year. <laughs> Yum. Yes. So I had met Ray that way. Mm. We ended up on the road together, which is great. And, you know, he was, he used to be Kevin Klein's standby. He stood by for, in, in uh, Pirates of Penzance. And oh, Pumpkin. no. So Ray was this tall, gorgeous, hunky dude. And by the time he was playing Bully, he'd gotten, you know, a little dumpy, you know? He, just, he said, yeah, I couldn't handle that anymore. He said, I started eating. So he, <laughs> the pumpkin kind of, yes. So he was a little bigger, a little rounder. And that was sort of that, I think, as you characterize it, I think rightly the Midwestern sort of look. Yeah. You know? His his baker was a little slower and a little like, oh, maybe we should go in the woods, you know, rather than the sort of neurotic New Yorker. Yeah. So, and he was a sweetheart. It was very sad when he passed away. That was rough. And uh, of course, that was the height of the AIDS epidemic. So yeah. It was right in the middle of that. That was. Hard. Were you still on the road when he died? No, I think it was when we got back. But I mean, I guess I could tell the story. It was, uh, I don't think he would mind because he was very open about it. He got yeah. not well on the road and oh. got tested for AIDS. We all, everybody, you know, that was just a terrifying time. And he came back negative. Mm. So um, everything. And then when he got off the road, turns out that had been a false positive, a false negative. So he tested positive when he got off the road and mm. sick. And he called all of us to kind of say, okay, just double check from now on. And which was very nice. He made yeah. sure that message got out. To, to double check everything. I guess in those days, the fear was still a little more, um, uh, the science was less obvious to everybody, where now if you didn't have sex with somebody, you wouldn't necessarily be freaked out for being around somebody with AIDS. But back in those days, it, there still was this, in a sense, you know, more like early COVID or something, where it was like, you know, what was your contact chain? That's the exact perfect analogy. And, you know, the whole second act, I don't know if you've talked about this or others have, you know, it's often been uh, allied to the AIDS epidemic, that they're running away from something. And um, you asked earlier, did, did Lapine ever come out on the road? When he did come out, he was always tinkering with the giant scene in the second act, because it's a difficult scene to stage, you know, where everybody comes in and the giant ultimately kills the you know, Jack's wife and the steward and everything. Yeah. It's a difficult scene to stage. It's got everybody in it. It's all Lapine. It's not Sondheim. It's all yeah. dialogue. So he was always trying to figure how to stage it better on the road. There were no platforms on the road. So it was all flat stage. Yeah. Uh, and also tinkering with the dialogue because that was the message, which they, he always told us is what do you do when there is a disaster? The giants, the, the royal family runs away. The witch tries to fix it. The uh, others are, are confused. They don't know what to do. So it, yeah. it was their answer of what was happening during the uh, the AIDS epidemic. Right? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I have heard that, um, uh, you know, and then other people have said it could be anything. It could be nuclear proliferation. It could be climate change, you know, and obviously there's new resonances in today's world. But, sure. um, but to be... Um, yourself you know a young uh darling of the philadelphia gay news 
Um, adorable. I uh, think that was adorable. Yes. <laughs> um, to be, you know, to be on this tour where literally the, you know, leading man you start with, uh, you know, goes home sick with AIDS, you know, as you find out while you're still on the road playing those scenes that must have been really kind of meta and intense. Oh, yeah. And it, it just, you know, COVID, as you said, it's, it, it's a perfect analogy. You just have to live with it and find a way to live with it. But there's always this threat. Yeah. And then the show, the themes of the show, it's it's certainly not as dark as it could get. It's it, it lightens, you know, it becomes fairy tales. But uh, that was always there. That was there until at least I'd say this whole tour, which ended in sometime in 1990, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Very interesting time. Yeah. Yeah. So did you um, when you got back from this experience, uh, you know, did it, did you, were you now jaded going into the rest of your career having had well, this first? You know, I went and auditioned for, I got auditions for every other Into the Woods. I never yeah. got cast in Into the Woods again. Really? Nowhere? I, I, Stephen Sondheim cast me all, but no, nobody. So I've never done it again. Uh, I've directed it. You know, everybody's, it's doing in high schools and colleges now. Yeah. But, uh, and that was a good fun to re revisit it that way. But no, I never got into it. And then, you know, also, especially back then, when you went on the road, when you're gone, you were gone. Yeah. There was no way to contact anybody. Mm. So certainly the contacts of the people we made were terrific, but it was like disappearing for two years. And then you have to, I didn't realize that. You have to really start all over again, mm. go back to the open calls and all that. I thought, well, here I am, everyone. Here are my reviews. I'm adorable. Yeah. Nobody cared. So mm. <laughs> it was a huge uh, uh, lesson in in showbiz. Yeah, you know, all things knock on wood turned out, but it was, yeah. was a big one. Your first one is uh, is hard. You all, I think, as a young person, I see them all in these young Broadway shows, and you're like, I'm set for life. Well, not quite, but you know. What are the things that you, um, when you've directed into the woods, like w what are the um ways that you what are the things you've tried to impart to the cast i mean i it's, i'm asking i happened to talk today earlier today to burke moses who um you know was fired from the final workshop playing rapunzel's print well he had been this is such a whole complicated story he was cast as rapunzel's prince for broadway and then maybe you know this already but but then Bob Westenberg was in the Crucible at Arena Stage, so and Burke was going to be covering that role of the Prince and the Wolf. So they said, "Well, you'll do this for this two-week workshop rather than your own part." Oh. And he felt that he floundered, and they were unhappy with him. And then he got the call uh, that he was being replaced for Broadway by Chuck Wagner, and um, uh, and he had a contract. I mean, he was paid for the year. But he, what he was talking to me about was how coming, he was fresh out of acting school at Carnegie Mellon, and he'd been trained in like a nine-month Meisner process that was useless to him in landing the sort of punchlines and, you know, getting to the end of the of the point in these um, scenes as the prince. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, he felt that he didn't learn that skill for years later. And um, I wonder how how you have guided your uh, casts when you when you have you felt that's been a challenge for people to understand the, the style of these characters in the fairy tale world. This, you know, you find that in general. I also just happened to direct uh, something rotten, a really talented mm. bunch of college students. They were great, but they don't have this waka waka sort of sense of humor that vaudeville was the word yeah used. a terrible yeah. Met, sort of the you know mel brooks or and um not that into the woods is that but it it certainly has it in there it certainly can help yeah so i found that some of that is just basic uh understanding of the jokes and saying let's make this funny it's okay to be funny yeah find the humor in all of this uh, it can be people can try to get really heavy about it and people get so concerned about the singing of it you know, belting things like the justifies the beans. That's like yeah. people freak out about that. Yeah. Let's get to that in a minute. You know, what is the moment and mm. what are you singing about? And uh, but I also, as we just talked about where the show came out of, of that era of the 80s. Mm. I try to talk about that as well uh, and liken it to something in today's, uh, you know, it's also we just did. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up. 
Yeah, that's um, and then you know some of the old timers when they talked about the. Did you see the revival last year? Oh no! Oh no! I did. I missed it. I saw the second revival, right? The two thousand and yeah, whatever that was. Yeah, there was two thousand two, and then there was the off Broadway one that was like really cool, and then yeah, the yeah. Fiasco Theater, and there was one in the park, and then there was this. Park. City center one, and then they no, went on. I was on the road with something. Oh, I was yeah. on the road with a play, and I missed it. Uh, but Brian Darcy's a good friend. All that I should have seen. Yeah, no, yeah. No, I mean, it was great to see, and I got to see a lot of times actually. So I got to see all these wonderful actors that you know went it, and because because it was still a, such a simple encore staging, they were really able to just keep rotating the cast to keep it running. Yeah. But some of the um, complaints from some of the old timers, like Joy Franz, was talking about. Um, oh. We got to work together. She was. She came in as a on that, the road too. That, yeah, she was very mad because her credits were not correct for that on um, IBDB. Um, oh no! But, okay. <laughs> but um, but she was saying that you know these they're they're not uh that they were like some of the characters some of the actors were kind of dressing up the line to like add comedy you know instead of just kind of playing what's there. Um, yeah. And it, it it seems like maybe people tend to go one way or the other in the wrong direction, either, you know, not honoring the sort of vaudevillian elements that help tell the story or kind of gilding the lily with kind of like business that is not the point. Yeah, I mean, even the simple lyric, you know, oh, you know, when you know she would go with you if there only were doors. Uh, That's funny. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you don't have to do too much to that. You got to do a little something, but not, yeah. you know, too big. But there's there's plenty in there. Uh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Oh, That's joy with example. If there only were doors, it's it's a, it's a really good example because that can be so funny. And yet sometimes the lyric can slip by unnoticed. And like, what what do you think it is about? Like kind of like landing that point so that the audience gets that you know, irony or whatever it is that's so funny there. Yeah, or the reality of looking up uh, in the tower and there are no doors. <laughs> how am I going to get there? And how is she going to... Oh, and you know she would go with you. There only were doors. Help, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's that kind of thing. It's just, yeah. you know. Yeah. You mentioned the tasks unachievable, and then you get into all of that. But yeah. uh, uh, to me, it's the reality of that moment. You know, just don't let it go. Just see it. And again, I stole that from Douglas Sills. Thank you, Douglas yeah. Sills. <laughs> and do you, you know, some of the actors have talked about when they did long runs in this show, like, um, you know, getting into a rut where they found something that landed and that they loved and then cherished and then got static or, you know, and then it didn't, it stopped getting the laugh and then they wanted the laugh back and the harder they worked, the worse it was. Uh, yeah, yeah. Was being on the road... Can, did that help with that because things are mixed up automatically whether you like it or not so you're constantly kind of in a fresh space literally i mean a hundred percent audiences change theaters change uh again i mean doing jersey boys for that long a period in seven years as soon as the show starts to get a little tired or you get tired you're in a whole new town you're in a whole yeah. new dressing room you have a whole new crew everything is new mm -hmm. and the jokes uh you know you have things that do you know work but also some crowds get some things and some crowds don't yeah uh, some uh, regionally it's also very different some parts of the country are laughers and some are not <laughs> and yeah. it's absolutely true I, yeah. I, mean, I remember we played at judy mcclain's hometown in in uh scranton pennsylvania and they all just stood, sat there, very stone faced. And that she's like, "Yep, those are my people." <laughs> they're just not big laughers, you know. And yeah. you learn that as you go, and it changes your performance. And mm. uh, to me, that keeps it it keeps it fresh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, wow. Well, you're 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 a fresh a fresh take. I I love hearing your stuff. For an hour, I can't believe. Wow, there's there's so Flies much. I I mean, any any more memorabilia you want to share with me? Uh, I have the programs, and those were the reviews I found. Oh, I found our uh, uh, you know, the insert that has everybody's pictures. We all had big '80s hair. Oh, I love it. But my hair is enormous. Oh, please send me that. <laughs> <laughs> look at us all i look like i'm 11 years old but but anyway it was great yeah oh gorgeous i love it. to save these things so now they're yeah <laughs> yeah
Uh, do you have any merch where there were there like hoodies or anything? Oh, I have a show jacket. Oh, I want to see it. Oh, I still have it. I tucked it away somewhere. Get but a picture and send it to me. Yeah, you know, we used to, they used to encourage us to wear those around town. Oh, yeah, free advertising. Free advertising. And they were these leather sleeves, you know, <laughs> I said our prints on it. And people would go, hey, you with, you with, you with Prince's band? <laughs> and I into the book. Anyway, you know, literally, people would stop me. Amazing. <laughs> Oh, that's great. You brought back such wonderful memories. This is great. Oh, thank you for sharing them, Jonathan. Uh, it's so good to talk to you as always. Absolutely. Um, well, I will, I'll let you know when this is up. I know everyone's going to enjoy it as much as I have. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Giants in the Sky, how Sondheim and Lapine went into the woods on the Broadway Podcast Network. Look out for episode 41 with Jackie Dankworth, Cinderella in the original London cast, and Cleo Lane's daughter. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.